The LA Kings played three games, two of them in Australia. We'll talk about what has us excited and concerned as the preseason is underway. Next on this edition of Locked On LA Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Kings fans, welcome to Locked On LA Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On LA Kings your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love for you to leave us a positive comment on Apple Podcasts if you're a fan of the show. And we're also on YouTube. Please like and subscribe if you're enjoying this content. At last check, we were at 2,267 subscribers. Not sure if we can get to 2,500 by the start of the regular season, but it's good to have goals. If you'd like to help us out with that, we would appreciate it. I am Eddie Garcia, your host of Locked on LA Kings. I've worked in sports media for almost 30 years, 20 plus years at the Fox Sports Radio Network. I'm also co-host of the Puck Podcast. It's a weekly NHL review show that's been putting out content for the past 17 years and a passionate LA Kings fan for 30 years. We are 16 days away from opening night, October 11th at Crypto.com Arena as the LA Kings will host the Colorado Avalanche. But we have gotten the preseason underway uh, by the way hope you had a great weekend uh the kings played not one not two but three preseason games since we last spoke uh it is so good to have actual hockey action to be able to talk about and we're going to get to that in just a minute uh but if you missed it friday night our time the la kings opened up the preseason with one of two games in melbourne australia that was a 5-2 loss to the arizona coyotes the second global series game was saturday night our time Kings get the split against the Coyotes with a 3-2 win. And then Monday, the Kings B team lost in overtime to the Ducks in Anaheim by a score of 3-2. So So today, uh, what we're going to do is focus on the two Global Series games in Australia where the bulk of the LA Kings regular players, if you will, were playing. Uh, We will touch on the uh, Sunday game coming up on tomorrow's show that featured the Kings prospects in action. As for the first two NHL games ever played in the Southern Hemisphere, a bit of a mixed bag as far as the two games overall. Obviously, the Kings get the split against the Coyotes. A little bit of good, a little bit of bad. But let's start by answering the three questions and the three things we told you that we thought you should watch for if you're able to see the games uh, over the weekend. Uh, We talked about this on Friday's show. uh, And some of them overlap a bit. But let's start with the Kings' big offseason acquisition. Senior center Pierre-Luc Dubois, or PL Dubois, as we found out from Kings announcer Nick Nixon that he prefers to be called. Uh, We will see if we can uh, try and uh, accommodate PL Dubois as much as possible, although PLD kind of flows a little bit uh, better. But anyway, uh, PL Dubois, Pierre-Luc Dubois, played in both of the games in Australia, as you would expect, um, a newer player looking to learn and develop chemistry with his new teammates, want to get him on the ice as much as possible. Uh, He did center the third line with Kevin Fiala and Arthur Kaliev in game one, and that same trio was together as the second line in game number two. As for Dubois, um, one of our players to watch and one of our things to watch was not only how he played specifically, but what kind of chemistry he had with his new line mates. And let's start with P.L. Dubois and something that Jim Fox, who was on the broadcast, described his style, and I thought it was pretty right on he called him quote a rangy skater end quote so what does that mean uh translation he's a big guy with a long stride 
And I think without the puck, I could see how he could be accused of coasting or floating a bit. But my first impression is that it's just more of his style rather than really should be a criticism of his effort. But it is certainly something to keep an eye on. But let's start with the good with P.L. Dubois. Uh, Big body. uh, Really kind of stands out on the ice as a bigger player. And I was so impressed with the way he can shield the puck on the cycle when he's battling in the corners, keeping possession of the puck with bodies on him and make it look pretty easy. Um, While you can say that he floats without the puck, when he has the puck, he's calm, he's deliberate, he's calculated. He slows the game down a bit and has a lot of confidence with the puck in the opponent's end. On his first preseason shift as an LA King, he shielded the puck from a defender causing that player to reach around him and drew a penalty, which resulted in a King's power play, which was perfect. Um, I I really like uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois with the puck in the offensive zone. Now, I had heard he needed work on his face-offs, but I didn't really see that. Now, I don't know what the final stats were, but just eyeballing it and kind of unofficially keeping track of it, I thought he was better than 50%, at least, um, maybe 60-70% in the face-off circle, um, which is certainly adequate. Uh, but we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, on the power play, he is a big body in front of the net, shielding the goaltender. Uh, screens 6-2-205 PL Dubois, but he seems even bigger than that sometimes because he has a big wingspan. You can really see that he's got a, a significant reach. Uh, he was used in the pivot spot on the power play where he's uh, in front of the net or sometimes at the side of the net, and he can try and feed it out in front into teammates in the slot. Uh, one thing he did a bit, Uh, and I would love to see him do a lot more of, is go strong to the net with the puck. He only did it a couple of times, um, but when he did, he drew a lot of attention, and that opens up chances for assists, and also if he can get the puck on net, obviously rebound opportunities for his teammates. So um, I really think uh, him going strong to the net with the puck is something that I would like to see a lot more of. Um, I think that you know him maybe passing up a few scoring opportunities is the byproduct of a new player with new teammates on a new team uh, trying to show that he is a team player and that kind of thing. But once he gets a little bit more comfortable with his teammates and they understand you know, what he's about, I think we'll see him be a little bit more offensive-minded with the puck, at least I hope so. Um, as far as his chemistry with Fiala and Kaliev, not bad. Um, I do think that sometimes Kevin Fiala is so active and likes to have the puck on his stick that sometimes I think you need to remind Arthur Kaliev and maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois to still be engaged in the play, to be aggressive, to be ready, because Fiala is going to do things with the puck to help them out, to get into scoring areas, whether it's drawing defenders to them or, you know, he's the type of guy that he's a good passer, uh, but you got to be ready for the puck at all times. So I think those guys sometimes might want to make sure we're not watching Kevin Fiala too much, but Uh, keeping obviously an eye on what he's doing, but being in position at all times to be ready to get off a shot and hopefully get Kevin Vial a lot of assists this year. Um, I I think that uh, my first impressions of Pierre-Luc Dubois were pretty favorable. Um, I I think that that line can obviously only get better the more they play together, but I really thought a solid first impression from Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I didn't have any points, um, but he he made some things happen. And uh, like I said, First impression, still trying to figure things out. New system, new teammates. I I liked what I saw. Uh, We need to talk about Jordan Spence and Andreas Englund and Tobias Bornfoot. That is the battle going on 
for positions on the third pairing defensively. Um, we wanted to obviously focus on how they played and if they were together, what kind of chemistry they had. And Spence, not a surprise, played in both games on the right side, on the third pairing, and I thought he looked great. Uh, really looked good for you know a player that I've had kind of a fan crush on for a while. I really like Jordan Spence. Uh, obviously, in Australia, being an Australian-born player, got a lot of love and attention from uh, everybody down there, the fans and the media. I really thought he played great, put on a good show, uh, had a great accounting for himself, and got to be a memory of a lifetime for him to be able to play well uh, down there in a place where, like I said, it, it was, it's a special place for him from where he's born, even though he didn't grow up there. Uh, really happy for for Jordan Spence uh, that he would play so well. Um, and, you know, it's easy to like him because of his skating ability, uh, his hands, his ability to move the puck in the offensive zone. He is so active, makes great decisions, keeps the offense moving, not afraid to shoot the puck, uh, and looks very, very comfortable running a power play unit. He ran the second power play unit in the first game and the first power play unit in the second game. If you watch those games, there's no doubt um, you may have noticed that Sean Dersey was on the ice for the Arizona Coyotes uh, as the, one of their defensemen. He got a lot of ice time, a lot of uh, camera time as well. And I got to be honest, I like I like Sean Dersey. I, I was you know he had his moments, uh, good and bad. But I'm a fan of his, and I hope he does well in Arizona. But I got to be honest, I personally right now feel more confident seeing Jordan Spence playing that position that Sean Dersey played than I did when Sean Dersey was playing it. So. That's uh, that's obviously to me a positive. Now again, it's only two games, but I I loved what Jordan Spence did defensively. He did well. Uh, I know we had an emailer comment recently about his lack of size and maybe getting pushed around. And granted, it's a preseason game against the Coyotes. It's not a playoff game against the Oilers or or somebody like that. But I never saw him get physically outmatched. I never saw him lose a puck battle because he's of his size. Uh, he's got good feet and good balance, and he gets good positioning. And I think that offsets any issues he has with his size. He also gets the pucks a little bit faster because he's got some speed. Now, I've said I expect Brant Clark to be the Kings defenseman on the third pairing on the right side for the majority of the season. But if I'm wrong and it turns out to be Jordan Spence instead and they let Clark ripen on the vine in the AHL, I'm actually okay with that. Um, I'm a believer in Jordan Spence. And what he did in Melbourne only increased my confidence that he can get the job done in that position if necessary. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the other two defensemen? Uh, we will do that here in just a moment on Locked on LA Kings, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical, who provides you with a product called the Jace Case that can supply you with up to five life-saving antibiotics in case of an emergency. All you have to do is fill out a simple online form and in some cases make a quick call to their board-certified physicians to be prepared with antibiotics in case of an emergency. You can also get online care from their physicians or any treatment-related questions. Don't get caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace handles everything from online evaluations to licensed pharmacy, medication deliveries, and ongoing consultation care. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using my code, Locked on at checkout. That's jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, I did want to check in. We talked about Jordan Spence. What about the other two defensemen, specifically going head-to-head for the uh, third pairing, on the third pairing, on the left side? And that would be 
most likely Andreas England and Tobias Bjornfoot. This was my first look at Andreas England, and he was as advertised, a big, strong, physical, reliable, not much offense defenseman. And I thought he and Spence played well together. They played in both games together. Um, game one, he had a great scoring chance in the high slot, uh, did Andreas England, and he passed up the shot to to pass it to Kevin Fiala. Not a terrible decision. It was early in the game. Uh, if the Kings are down a goal late in the game, that's a shot he has to take every time. But I think another example of a new player on a new team wanting to show his teammates he's a good teammate, that kind of a thing. They overpass usually early on when you've got a new player on a new team. Um, on the positive side, he had a few nice hits. Uh, one at the blue line that I thought he might get called for a penalty on. It was a little bit late, but they didn't call it. Um, and he didn't take a penalty uh, in either of the two games. And that was something of a bit of a concern because of a physical guy and he wants to make his presence felt. Sometimes he might step over the line a little too often. And with the Kings penalty kill issues, that's something he doesn't want to do. But so far through two games, no penalties for Andreas England. Um, he saw a little bit of time on the Kings penalty kill in the second game. Uh, although I don't really see him being used in that role unless it's an absolute emergency. But a decent first impression for me on Andreas England. As for Tobias Bjornfoot, he only played in the second game. I uh, played on the top pairing with Mikey Anderson because Drew Doughty had the game off. And I thought Nick Nixon and Jim Fox had some great quotes on Bjornfoot from head coach Todd McClellan, who told them about Bjornfoot, quote, this is his year. In other words, he's got to prove it this year if he wants to be in the NHL or not. And, quote, vanilla is not good enough, end quote. Uh, translation, he has to be noticeable on the ice. I said this last season about the former first-round pick. He played like 70 games in the NHL for the Kings season before last because of injuries, and I couldn't remember a single thing he did that stood out. And that's exactly what McClellan is talking about. While he's, he's not expected to be any kind of an offensive player, and sometimes it's not a bad thing to be unnoticed as a defenseman because it means you're not turning the puck over or making really bad decisions. But the Kings feel like they can get that with other players um, being reliable and just sound defensively. Um, as for what he did in the one game that he played in, um, it was mostly vanilla. Now, he had a couple of moments that that I did take note of. One was a nice hit on a, on a stand-up at the blue line. So he knows Andreas England's a physical guy. He knows he needs to step up his physical game a little bit if he's going to match that and compete with that, even though he's not as big. Uh, the other was when he carried the puck up the ice into the Coyote zone, dished it off to Arthur Callium, and then he went straight to the net, crashed the net looking for a rebound on a shot attempt. So those two things did stand out, but mostly for Tobias Bjornfoot, again, a little bit too much vanilla, need a little more chocolate in there, I guess. Um, but got to see more of those types of plays for him to win that job, I think, on the third pairing on the left side. That said, if I'm scoring the opening round of the competition between Andreas England and Tobias Bjornfoot, if I'm scoring it like a boxing match, I got England ahead on points, 10 to 9. Uh, let us get into some things that were not so positive. Uh, and uh, we have got to start with the penalty kill. Uh, we all know that Todd McClellan's summer project was to get the PK playing a lot better than it was last season. We all know it has to be better for the Kings to have the season they want. So what looked different? Um, I don't, I didn't notice anything different, to be honest. Now, I think they only had one power play, or excuse me, one penalty kill opportunity, and then like a half a one in the first game, several more in the second game. But as far as just, did I see anything differently? Did, was there different personnel? No, other than Vladislav Gavrikov now being a part of the PK for the full season. 
Uh, it's the same cast of characters. I didn't notice. I'm, look, I'm not a coach. I can't sit here and tell you about X's and O's uh, as much as somebody who coaches. I didn't notice anything different. And I think uh, it wasn't any better on a small sample size. Um, the the uh, Coyotes, who are not the Oilers or the Avalanche, you know, as far as having an elite power play, they were two for five in the two games with the man advantage. That is not good. Uh, but even worse, I thought, was that the Kings were, were I don't want to say dominating, but they were clearly controlling the pace of play. And then they took a penalty, and then they got on the penalty kill, and then they a couple of times allowed a power uh, a shorthanded goal, and it just sucked the life out of them, and it changed momentum. The Kings' strength this year will be being a better team five-on-five five against their opponent, having a better power play most nights, and then hopefully having at least a, an even penalty kill situation. But in both games against Arizona, when they took a penalty and they had to go out there shorthanded, it took away the momentum and it stalled them five on five. And that is very concerning to me. Again, with all this, it's only two games, but we, that's, all, that's all we have to, to measure them on at this point. So I'm not going to panic too much. I'm still going to wait at least through the rest of the, the preseason to kind of see if things are looking a little bit better. And then, of course, beginning of the regular season when the bullets really start flying. But the penalty kill is still a concern. I didn't see anything in these first two games that makes me feel any better about it at all. And like I said, if they do take a penalty, and even if they allow a, a power play goal against, they can't let that stall their momentum. They were the better team in the first period in both these games. And then as soon as they took a penalty, uh, it just sucked the life out of them. So that is concerning. That's something that can't happen. The Kings need to be better five on five, especially when they have that third line, if that's what it's going to be, if Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kevin Fiala, Arthur Kaliev, they, they've got to take advantage of that. So hopefully that will be corrected sometime soon. But I did not think it was a good first step for the Kings penalty kill. As for the goaltending, which is also a concern, uh, it was a mixed bag, uh, some good and some bad. Uh, all three veterans did play two periods in the two games. Phoenix Copley started off playing the first two periods in game number one. Cam Talbot played the first two periods of game number two, and David Riddick saw action in the third periods of both games one and two. So let's start with the bad. Uh, Phoenix Copley, uh, last season, the amazing story, came out of nowhere, saved the King season, um, but he allowed four goals on 16 shots over two periods of work in that first game. Now, it's, again, just one preseason game, but I thought he uh, did not look very good. Now, he did one of the goals he allowed was one of the best goals you're probably going to see this preseason. Coyotes rookie Logan Cooley made this spinning play to the net that was just phenomenal. So I'm not going to I'm going to cut him some slack on that one. But I thought there were three goals that he allowed that were stoppable um and frankly saves that he made most of the time last season which is why he did so well. Um most of the time Phoenix Copley stops the stoppable shots. Uh, if he saw it, he was going to keep it out of the net. Uh, that really wasn't the case in his opening action in the preseason. Um, we know he's not going to rob anyone. He's not going to make spectacular saves, but he needs to be solid in net. And in my opinion, he wasn't in that first preseason game. Uh, Clayton Keller scored on a goal from basically the side of the net, kind of behind the goal line where he banked it in off a of Copley. That can't go in. Uh, that's a bad goal. There was a wrist shot from the high slot, shorthanded, uh, uh, not shorthanded. Uh, it might've been on the power play. Um, but he did see it all the way. 
Um, it wasn't a terrible goal, but it was stoppable. And then there was a one-timer from distance um, that went in and beat him clean, wasn't deflected, not a ton of traffic. Um, so not a great showing uh, for Phoenix Copley. However, I thought Cam Talbot's first game as a king was solid. Uh, got the start in game number two, turned aside 20 of 21 shots um, in the first in two periods of work. Uh, he His best work came on the Coyotes power play in the first period where he had a couple of really nice saves. Uh, also was busy late in the second period after not seeing a ton of action uh, for the majority of the uh, you know first 10, 15 minutes of the first and second period. But the Coyotes did kind of come on a little bit late in both periods, but he was up to the task. And that can be kind of hard for a goalie when you don't see a lot of action early and then you're called on suddenly to make three, four saves, you know, in a short amount of time. But uh, I thought a very solid first step for Cam Talbot, good rebound control, um, you know, just seemed, seemed very comfortable in net. So I thought Cam Talbot looked good in his first action as an LA King. And for David Riddick, uh, played again the third period of both the games. Didn't see a ton of action in that third period. In the first game, he stopped three shots. He saw three shots. Uh, second game, a little bit busier. He turned aside 11 of 12 shots. He did allow one goal uh, late on a, uh, a late tip-in. Um, but in the end, uh, not a ton of action for him, but I thought he was he was fine. He was fine. He didn't. I, the one goal he allowed wasn't a terrible goal, um, and you know he made some decent saves. So I thought David Riddick also pretty good in his first action as an LA King, but overall, again, a little bit of a mixed bag. Copley got to be better. Uh, Talbot and Riddick, not bad as far as their first starts. Um, I did want to mention uh, some other LA Kings that stood out a little bit and something from the game. If you watched it on TV, that's got me really, really happy and excited. We'll talk about that, that next here on Locked on LA Kings, your team every day. Hey, snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 uh, in bonus bets, win or lose. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action right now. Uh, the app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including point spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. There were a few other players that I wasn't really focusing on, but I thought were worthy of being pointed out uh, how they played in the first two preseason games of the LA Kings. Uh, Kevin Fiala was very, very active, uh, especially in game one. Um, not, not as much in game two, but when he's skating, he just makes things happen, draws the eyes of all the opposing players, looking to set up teammates, just look good on the power play, um, brings a lot of energy to the team. So Kevin Fiala, remember he had the injury issues late in the year, but looks to be 100% and looks great so far through two preseason games. Adrian Kempe, over 40 goals last year, had three goals in the two games and could have had more, frankly. He could. There were two other times he had great opportunities to score, but uh, Juice looking good early on here in the preseason for the Kings. Trevor Moore, I thought, had a decent first step uh, to his season coming back from a, a down year, had some injury issues, a concussion. Uh, he had a goal in game one. Um, also, I thought looked really good on the one of the few penalty killers that I thought really stood out, uh, being very aggressive on the penalty kill, had a couple of uh, steals, uh, and looked like he was somebody who obviously can really hurt you with a shorthanded goal. So I thought he looked pretty good overall. And Quentin Byfield had his moments. He looked really uh, active in the first period in game two. 
And then he kind of fizzled out the rest of the game. And I was like, if he could just put three periods together, like he had that first period, then we got something going on there. So hopefully we see a little bit more of that from Quentin Byfield. Victor Arbitson had a goal and assist. He's just so active. He had a power play goal that was amazing. He's skating backwards through the crease and deflects in a Kevin Fiala wrist shot from the from the point. And I just thought, man, that's some skill. That's a guy we that's a guy we need to resign. He's a free agent after this year. Uh, but Victor Arvidsson, just a little spark plug and such a, a nifty little player. So hopefully we can find a way to keep him beyond this year. But uh, if not, certainly hope he has a big year. Um, but we'll see. That's something to talk about another time. Uh, I do want to give you my three stars for the two games in Australia. Uh, number, my number three star with two assists is Kevin Fiala. Number two star with two assists is Jordan Spence. And my number one star, Adrian Kempe, with his three goals. Uh, just some other observations and things uh, to pass along as far as the two games in Australia. Uh, first of all, no injuries to report, which is great. Um, on the Kings injury front, apparently Brant Clark's back skating did not play in that preseason game in Anaheim, but we should see him sometime this week is the report. Uh, if you watch the games on the NHL network, like I did, you heard Nick Nixon and Jim Fox doing the call together. And look, I, I said it, I, I was a fan of Alex Faust. I think he did a solid job, but I got to say hearing Nick Nixon on the call made me very happy. I'm happy for him. He's a hall of famer. He's phenomenal. He, w w the Kings broadcast are in great hands with Nick Nixon and Jim Fox. And uh, I thought they, you know, them working together was like two old friends getting back together again. Uh, so um, while I, I, I am sad that Alex Faust is gone, Nick Nixon taking over is great. It's amazing. And he does a phenomenal job. Huge fan of Nick Nixon. And uh, I think I'm going to really enjoy hearing him on the call all season long for Kings hockey on TV and on radio. If, they, if you watch the games in Australia, they had a very L.A. Kings feel to them, both uh, mostly uh, audibly. Uh, Dieter Rule, the Kings organist, friend of the show, we've had him on this show before, was the guy playing the organ there. And by all accounts, the fans really loved him there. They put him up on the big screen and he got a great reception every time he did it. The PA announcer, Trevor, Trevor Ramon, was there. Uh, and uh, even Hannah Davies apparently sang the national anthem in uh, at least one of the games. So... Uh, some of the friendly faces and familiar faces we see at LA Kings games were on hand down there uh, in Melbourne. And I thought the Kings put on a good show in Australia. Um, we did have, it was Jacob Doty made the trip. He's the one guy you're like, what's that guy doing there? I think they took him specifically so he could get in a fight in front of the Australian fans just to put on a show, which he did in game number one. But I thought the Kings certainly and the Coyotes did a great job of growing the game in Australia. It looked like the fans had a great time. Um, Melbourne, by the way, looks amazing. I've been to Sydney and I loved it. Um, Melbourne looks like a great place to visit as well. Um, but it was like a hockey festival. Um, I've mentioned before my, my wife is a gigantic, uh, LA chargers fan and they played in London a few years back and we went to the game and that's what it was like there at Wembley stadium. You saw jerseys of every NFL team. It was just NFL fans from all over Europe coming to this game to kind of celebrate football. That's what it felt like in Melbourne. If you looked in the stands, every NHL team had jerseys in the stands. It was just all these hockey fans wanting to see NHL action live and in person. And it looked like they had a great time. And I think it was really cool that the LA Kings were definitely a part of that as well. Um, we were concerned about the ice conditions. It didn't seem like it was a factor one bit in both games, which is great. And considering the ice the Kings play on at Crypto.com Arena with all those damn basketball games and the courts going up and down and whatnot, uh, I think the ice was at least no worse than what they're used to playing 
uh, in home games. There was a little tiny bit of Kings news to pass along before we wrap up the show. I did see according to sportslogo.net, the Kings are going to be wearing white retro jerseys, the uh, Gretzky era jerseys with the Chevy logo 15 times this coming season. Uh, Also re-reported by uh, sportslogos.net that the Kings will have an ad on their jersey this year for the coming season, at least for the black jerseys. Apparently, it's Mercury Insurance for anyone that cares. Uh, Apparently, maresmanor.com had reported this earlier, and I must have missed out on that. So credit to those guys for being uh, on top of that. I did see a highlight of a Kings prospect. I forgive, forgive me for not remembering who it was, scoring a goal over in Europe. And the ads on those jerseys and on the ice they even had they even had ads inside the net on the netting. It's unbelievable. Uh, I I hate it. I don't mind a little sticker on the helmet or a little patch on the jersey, but it's just terrible over there. It's it's I I don't even want to watch the game. It's so distracting. We talk about those digital ads for the Kings being distracting. Those guys are worse than a car in NASCAR with so many ads they have all over their jerseys. But anyway, the Kings will have an advertisement on there. Jersey this year. It is the Mercury Insurance logo, apparently. That's going to do it for today's show. For you everydayers, though, want to let you know what's going on with the uh, show coming up the rest of the week. Coming up on Tuesday, we'll take a, a better look at the Kings preseason game in Anaheim on Sunday night. Uh, also scheduled to be joined by Locked On Kraken host Erica Ayala to get a rival report coming up this week about the Seattle Kraken. Thursday, we're going to see if we can get Kings insider Zach Dooley to stop by to talk about the trip to Australia and We'll pre. We'll check, uh, also talk about the Kings preseason game on Wednesday against the Vegas Golden Knights, and then on Friday another fan feedback show as well. At the email address, if you'd like to send an email, lockedoneddie at gmail.com, e d d i e, and you could also make your post your comments on the YouTube episodes down below as well. Those are always very welcome. We'd like you to stay interactive with us on the show by following us on social media, Twitter or X or whatever it is. Uh, we are also on Instagram, both at Locked on LA Kings. I'm Eddie Garcia. Thank you for listening and watching Locked on LA Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Have a great day. We will talk to you tomorrow. And as always, go Kings go.